We've been in the midst of a series of studies that I feel like are essential to this assembly. And I feel like God's talked to us in each night of this series. I feel like God has had something to say. In fact, the very fact that this is part four of this one subseries um, says to me that God has stepped in and spoken to us in a special way because I fully intended to cover this in one lesson and uh, here we are in our fourth week and I thought I thought when I began studying again and preparing I thought, well, I'll finish it tonight for sure. This will be the last. And we'll get this part done and be ready to move on. And then it, it was kind of like a, um, kind of like boiling rice. I heard a man say one time he was asked to cook the rice for their dinner. And he said, he told me to use a cup, and he said, I poured a cup in there, and he said, I thought, man, a cup, that doesn't look like much. I can eat that much, so I'll put another cup in. And I think he put about four cups in until the whole thing was boiling over, and that's, uh, that's kind of what's happened to me as I've been digging through this. I started with a cup, and, and it just just keeps expanding here, and it just keeps getting bigger but I offer no apologies for that as I do believe the Lord's talking to us and I believe that his presence in the midst of all this has been evidence enough let's turn to the book of Revelation chapter 3 Revelation chapter 3 and um, we'll begin with verse number 7 now, I'll tell you Revelation chapters 2 and 3 are about the only chapters in this book where I feel comfortable teaching. I, I'm going to leave the rest of that book to the real scholars and theologians and men like Brother Burgess and Brother Howard. I, I'll let them explain all this and, and I'm going to stick to the simple stuff. Revelation chapter 3. And once again, we will read this entire letter and we'll come back and pick up on those parts that we have not yet discussed after we've read our text and had a word of prayer. Revelation chapter 3, beginning with verse number 7, Jesus speaks to the apostle John and he says, to the angel or the messenger, which is what that word means it is the Greek word angelos it is messenger of the church and the messenger of the church of course is the pastor of the church so to the pastor of the church in Philadelphia write these things saith he that is holy he that is true he that hath the key of David he that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, 
and hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. What a letter. What a letter. So much in this letter to the church in Philadelphia. And so tonight we are continuing on this series of lessons from the seven churches and we are specifically focusing on the church in Philadelphia and this is part four of our study of Philadelphia and the church that is there. So let's, let's put our Bibles down, let's lift our hands, let's lift our voices, let's ask the Lord to talk to us tonight as he has done so many times before. Let's everybody talk to him and ask him to talk to us tonight, everybody. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Let's praise him again, everybody. Let's praise him together. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. I don't have time tonight to do an in-depth review of the entire series really don't even have time to do a lot of review of this subset of the series. But there are some things that I think are important for us to remember. And uh, in as much as I was gone last week, it's been a couple of weeks since we dealt with this. And so let me just remind you of some things that we have discovered in this study. First of all, I do remind you that the name Philadelphia is significant in as much as it is really a compound Greek word that means brotherly love. And as I've pointed out to you, uh, 
in so many of these lessons. It was to a church in a city whose name meant brotherly love that God extended great and precious promises. Promises unlike those he gave to any of the other six churches that are named in these two chapters. To none of those churches did God say the things that he said to Philadelphia. And I do not believe that it's merely coincidental that it was the church of brotherly love. For I am convinced that Jesus meant what he said when he declared by this shall all men know that you are my disciples by the love you have one to another. Well, praise God. Amen, 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 amen. And we talked about the city of Philadelphia itself, how when it was founded, it was very possibly uh, intended to be the center for the Grecian and Roman civilizations. Uh, that it was perhaps founded for a social purpose because of its geographic location. It was located on the verge of a very fertile territory of plateau country that was used for farming activity. But it became the crossroads of the then known world. Civilizations passed through it. It became known as the doorway to the east. It was a center of a trade route. It was an imperial postal route. It was a military route. And so many people of many nationalities passed through the city of Philadelphia. They came through there. Amen. And God raised up an extremely healthy apostolic church in the middle of this location. God raised up what appears to be, based upon these seven letters, the most healthy of the seven churches. It was here that God spoke and said, I'm going to open a door to you that no man will be able to shut. Amen. Praise God. Amen. As we look at this letter, as we have examined this letter, we pointed out to you how that the way the Lord opened the letter, the way he identified himself in each case carried significance of some sort. He would identify himself in a specific way as he began to address the church. And in this case, he identified himself uh, in, uh, in this way. He said that uh, these things saith he that is holy and he that is true and he that hath the key of David. Amen. These things were significant for what the Lord was going to say to Philadelphia. Amen. He was the Holy One and he was looking upon them, hallelujah, based upon their attitude toward his holiness. He condemned other churches because they abandoned the principle of separation. But he did not condemn 
them Philadelphia for that. He commended them for their works uh, and he reminded them, I'm the Holy One. This is not flattery. If I look upon you and declare you to be holy, I have the right to make that declaration for I am the Holy One. Furthermore, he said, I'm the one who is true. I don't flatter. I don't lie. Everything I say, amen, is absolute fact. And another thing, Philadelphia, you need to, to realize is that when I make the promises that I'm going to make to you, I am he that is true. There is no shadow of turning. There is no variableness. There is no reason to doubt that what I say is going to come to pass because I'm the one not just that speaks truth but I am the truth well hallelujah any promise he makes you can count on it he's going to honor it and then he said I'm the one that has the key I've got the key and that of course was significant as he then later went on to tell them that I'm opening the door and no man can shut it. And if I choose to shut a door, no man can open it because I'm the one who holds the key. I and I alone have access to the things that are behind that door. Amen. And we're going to talk about some of those things in just a few moments. We've talked a lot about that open door, but we still haven't finished uh, describing it in its entirety. And I intend to do that tonight. But just remember that God is the one who holds the key. And God can choose to shut a door and to lock it tight. Or he can choose to use that key and open that door. And I'm telling you, there are not enough devils in hell to shut that door once God declares that it's open. The devil doesn't hold a key. The devil doesn't have access. He cannot close the door. The best that the devil can do is to distract those who, who have been granted access and keep them from going through. But he can't shut the door. And I'm going to tell you, the good thing about it is this. He may keep you from going through for a little while. But if you'll ever shake yourself. If you'll ever awaken to the fact that God opened that door. Only God can shut it. I'm telling you, the devil may delay our entrance through the open door, but he cannot deny that entrance. Oh, somebody hear me here tonight. I'm telling you that once God has made that declaration that I set before you an open door, I'm telling you it may not come tomorrow or next week or next month, but I am speaking tonight that God is the only one who holds the key and the devil can't shut it. Time cannot shut it. Discouragement cannot shut it. Doubt cannot shut it. God is the only one that can choose to shut the door hallelujah praise God now now I've got to hurry through this we're still in review huh? I've got to hurry through this I've got to hurry through this but I've pointed out to you that with the other letters that we have dealt with 
With the exception of one, there was a lot of correction. And even with that one, the Lord let them know that the only way they were going to be perfected was through a time of crushing. And so there really wasn't a, uh, a word of condemnation for them, but he did let them know that it was going to take, it was going to take some, some difficult times that they were going to have to endure and they were going to have to maintain their integrity through these crushing blows. But at the end, if they would do that, they would produce a sweet-smelling savor to the Lord. But in this case, in this case, God did not condemn one thing about the church at Philadelphia. Now that's amazing because again, he is the one that is true. God doesn't overlook things. God is not surprised by anything. People don't hide things from God. He sees all and he knows all. And he had no problem condemning things in the other churches. But when it came to Philadelphia, I'm telling you that God had nothing to condemn. God looked down on them in love and commended every aspect of all that they were doing. And that's why God gave them a promise that was unlike any other. I gotta, I, I, I gotta, I gotta pace myself here so I can, so I can go on to where I need to be. But, but here we are, here we are, and and God says to Philadelphia that that He knew their works, and He said, "I know your works," and yet, yet knowing their works, He still says to them, "I have given you an open door, an open." door now now again we're we're going to talk we're going to talk a little bit about this open door tonight and uh, I mentioned in our last lesson that because of the geographic location because so many nationalities and races were passing through Philadelphia there was great opportunity to spread the gospel uh, people could come through Philadelphia and hear the message and they became their own missionaries when they were converted in Philadelphia and went back to their homelands they went back speaking the native tongue but they had the message in their heart what an opportunity what what an opportunity God gave to Philadelphia but but I want to show you tonight that there was more to this than just their geographic location there was more to it than that now we also in the very last lesson we talked about uh, the Lord telling them why he uh, gave them this open door he gave three very specific reasons why he said I've I have set before you an open door uh, and and uh, he, he said four well let's let's just read it here this is revelation 3 and verse 8 now listen to this listen to this I know thy works I know your works behold I have set behold before thee I've set before thee an open an door. open door and no and man can no shut man it. can shut it now listen listen the very next word is the word for which means because of what I just said. 
Amen. Or for the reason that. Here's what he's telling them. I've given you an open door, and here's the reason why I've done that. Here is my explanation as to why you get this promise of an open door and other churches do not. Now, let me just remind you, this is from way back in the early lessons uh, uh, in this series, but I pointed out how that it was the intention of God, and God instructed John that, that these letters, all seven letters, were to be read among all of the churches. Even though the letter was written to Philadelphia, it was to be read in Laodicea and Ephesus and Sardis and Thyatira. It was to be read in every one of these churches. Hallelujah. And so God, I mean, think about this now. When these other churches, these letters are read and God's condemning all of these things about them. And yet they get to Philadelphia and God says, I'm giving you this open door. Do you, do you think you can imagine what it made the other churches feel like at that moment? You know, it's almost like Joseph's brothers must have felt. Daddy's playing favorites here. But the Lord made it clear this is not a matter of favoritism. I've opened this door because. Because what? Thou hast a little strength. You have a little strength. We talked about that. We talked about the significance of all of that. What that meant. You have a little strength. And? Has kept my word. You have kept my word. And? And, and has not denied You my have name. not denied my name. Those three qualities are what God said opened this door for you. You have a little strength. You may not be the size that Ephesus is, but what you have is strong and it's steadfast and it's sure. And here's the reason why. Because you love my word. You elevate my word. You obey my word. You're not throwing my word out the window to try to follow fads and fashions. But whatever I've said, that becomes paramount in your life and furthermore you've not denied my name and so for these three reasons I'm opening a door to you and I'm not opening to the others I'm opening this door so let's talk about this open door for just a little while there's, there's a lot that is signified by this promise of an open door. There's a lot behind it. And it is crucial to us at the Truth Church. And we've talked about this. We've talked about prophecies that have gone forth and prayers that have been answered as we have sought God for a word of direction and how God has spoken to us and confirmed it on separate occasions that God has extended to us as well at this juncture, at this time, an open door. Amen. Now, let's talk about what that means. First and foremost, I think all of us would agree that an open door from heaven would be a promise of great revival. Amen. Colossians chapter 4 verse 3. Let's read. With all praying also for us, 
that God would open that unto God us would open unto us a door of a utterance, door of utterance to speak the mystery to speak of Christ the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bond here's what he said would you pray for us that God would open a door because when God opens the door that means I get to start preaching to a lot more folks when God opens the door that means there's going to be a whole lot of hungry people that are going to be sitting under the sound of my voice that's what an open door is that's what God does when he opens this door he begins to stir the hearts of the hungry and he draws them to his house Acts 14 27 out of the mouth of two or three witnesses let every word be established so so read Acts 14 verse 27 and when they were come, uh-huh. had gathered the church they together. Gathered the church together. They rehearsed all. They started that God, rehearsing everything that God had, that done, God with had done with them, and how He, and had, how opened he the had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. Unto the Gentiles. Hallelujah. Amen. Those Jews didn't like it very much when it all started happening, but I'm telling you, they got to looking around and they saw where the other Jews were rejecting the message, but by the multitudes, Gentiles were coming in. That's what an open door did. They were rejoicing finally that God opened a door of faith unto those that did not believe. The Jews felt like they deserved it and the Gentiles didn't. But God opened the door to those that didn't deserve it. God opened the door to those who didn't deserve it. And I want to tell you here tonight, if you're sitting under the sound of my voice and the devil's got you convinced you don't deserve it, you're not worthy, you've been too bad, I'm here to tell you something tonight. God has opened the door to you. You have an opportunity tonight. You have... Oh, hallelujah. God's not concerned about where you've been or what you've done. He's concerned with transforming your life and making you valuable in his kingdom. I'm telling you, God is able to do it. He opened a door to the Gentiles and he can open a door to you. My Lord, my Lord, amen. And if you're hungry and you're desirous, I just want to tell you, you don't have to wait until I get finished tonight to get what you need from God. Acts chapter 10, the Bible says, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is falling tonight as I am expounding the word. And you can receive it right where you're at if you'll simply ask God to forgive you of your sins. You'll lift your hands in worship. I'm telling you, God can fill you right where you are. He'll open that door of faith to you come on let's praise the Lord let's praise the Lord Yes, 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 yes. Ah! 
Yes, 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 yes. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is in the house right now. God's got that door open. God's got that door open. Woo! Oh, come on, church. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray.